A 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle car just sold for a lot of money. No, I mean a lot of money. The story of that particular card and the 1952 Topps set in general is the focus of today's Random Thoughts podcast. And welcome to episode number 202 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is spelled R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, something a little different. We're not going to be looking at Biden inflation or all of the negative stuff going on in the world today. I wanted to talk mainly about the 1952 Tops baseball card set. One, because it's in the news. You may have seen that, but we'll get to that in a moment. But it's because I've had a long history of loving the sport of baseball, as you may have heard. If you've been following this show, not so much as of late. I think baseball's taken a bunch of wrong turns, but I still like the history of the game. And there are many moments in baseball history that I will never forget, including being at Tom Seaver's 300th win back in 1985 in the Bronx in New York, in old Yankee Stadium, which was quite the event considering he was pitching for the Chicago White Sox at the time and the Yankees of fans, of course, not wanting the Yankees to lose. It was Phil Rizzuto Day. Poor Phil, what a day to have a day. And Tom Seaver shows up and just wrecks it by pitching a complete game, which was amazing for any pitcher at that age. But Tom Seaver came out, and the crowd was the typical Yankee crowd. Little bit ornery. They were booing. They were not happy. And as the game went on, about the sixth or seventh inning, because there were a lot of Mets fans there as well. Tom Seaver started his career with the Mets. By the end of the game, It seemed like everybody in the stands was rooting for Tom Seaver to get his 300th win, and he did. I was 15 at the time, and the only reason we were there was because we were White Sox fans, and my mom adored Tom Seaver. That was her favorite player. My favorite player, I think, ever for the Chicago White Sox is a guy named Mark Burley, and my mom and I just happened to be at a random day game at White Sox Park. I will not call it what they call it now. When Mark Burley did the impossible for a 36th round pick or whatever he was back in the day and pitched a perfect game on a beautiful afternoon in Chicago. And as I've said before, I knew right then there was never going to be a better game than that game for me. There was never going to be a baseball game that was more exciting or more fun than that because everything just aligned. And that kind of excitement, I believe, is what leads people to collecting baseball memorabilia or any sport, really. I mean, if you're a basketball fan, obviously, maybe you're collecting MJ stuff or, God forbid, LeBron stuff. But baseball cards go way back, and they have an interesting history to them. 
that a lot of people are being reminded about due to a current auction that just finished for a Mickey Mantle card. But the 1952 Topps baseball card set was the very first set that Topps as a company produced. Bowman, another company, had been producing cards for a couple of years, and Topps wanted to break into that market and they wanted things to make a splash. They wanted it to be bigger. They wanted it to be more grandiose. So they turned to a guy named Cy Berger and put him in charge of designing whatever this new baseball card set was going to look like. As the story goes, Cy Berger's first day with the company happened not too long before that. It was the first day that Topps produced bazooka gum and it was shortly after that burger age 28 was given the assignment to come up with this baseball card set so he took fellow employee woody gelman they sat at the kitchen table of his apartment on alabama avenue in brooklyn and they came up with the design that included the player's name photo a facsimile of the autograph team name logo on the front and then all that space on the back was used for the player's height, weight, batting. You know, do they throw left or right? Do they bat left or right? Where they were born, birthday, stats, and a short bio. The typical baseball card that we pretty much know and love today. One of the interesting things was that the set did not all come out at the same time. They were releasing it in waves. And of course, the earlier waves coming out through the summer were selling like hotcakes. They had big displays in stores. Kids were loving them. There were six cards in a pack that cost five cents a pack. Yeah, five cents a pack. Imagine that. But the interesting thing was it wasn't until September that the last batch of cards was released, which would include cards numbered 311 through 407 now 311 the famous mickey mantle 1952 tops card that is number 311 jackie robinson 312 bobby thompson the shot heard around the world 313 and so on but because this was getting towards the end of the summer according to an article on sportscollectorsdaily.com it says kids were headed back to school Many wary retailers held off on ordering the cards at all from this last set for fear of getting stuck with them when the cold weather and football took over. So there's a lot of these cards that didn't wind up making it into a store, which also makes the cards 311 and higher a little bit more rare when it comes to the 1952 top sets now. and. There were rumors which were then confirmed by Cyberger later in his life when he told a Topps magazine in 2001 when they were covering a story about the history of the baseball card sets with Topps. Mr. Berger admitted that in 1960, when Topps needed some warehouse space, they were looking to get rid of some old stuff. They took approximately 300 to 500 cases 
of the 1952 Topps cards. They put them out onto a barge, took it into the Atlantic Ocean, took it a few miles out, and dumped the cards into the water. 300 to 500 cases, which was also described as being just about enough to completely fill three New York City garbage trucks at the time were taken out and dumped into the water. I know, if you're a baseball card collector, you're shuddering at the very thought of that happening to that many 1952 Topps cards in mint condition, sitting in their cases at the company's warehouse that created them. But that's because back in 1960, they were just things for kids and they weren't worth anything. Kids were putting them in their spokes. They would flip them. They would toss them around. Going and looking at them under a microscope and getting grades on them, we're still many decades away. What would those cards be worth today? Well, that leads us into the story that has been in the news. And by the way, Cyberger ended up staying with Tops for 50 years and became the vice president of sports and licensing. One interesting uh, tidbit as well, back in the day, they would pay the players for the use of their images in merchandise. So they'd get maybe a refrigerator or some carpeting. It was a much different time back then, no doubt about it. But these cards, they were not considered valuable. It was amazing to me that Tops still had a cache of these in their warehouse eight years after they were produced and then just got rid of them. But what would these cards be worth today? The short answer is a lot. And an example of that is the finest known example of one of those card number 311 Mickey Mantle, which sold this past week for $12.6 million. Yes, $12.6 million. Now, we're living in a completely different world when it comes to sports cards. I've complained about this a little bit when it comes to the whole concept of grading these cards because the grading thing is relatively new. When I started collecting baseball cards back in the 1970s, you just eyeballed a card and you kind of saw it was either in good condition, mint condition, very good, but you could just kind of eyeball it. And that was that there were no services out there yet that were taking money to give you a grade, encapsulate those cards and sending them back to you so you can have a number on that. And there's a lot of debate on whether that actually made this whole hobby better or worse. And that's probably for a different time, but that didn't exist when I got into baseball cards. There were guides with prices, and that is kind of what you go by. It was a book price, and it was like, okay, there was mint, and most of the time you could buy something for like 50%. That was the reality of what the book price went. So it was, it was a weird kind of a thing, but this Mickey Mantle that just sold for $12.6 million was graded by a company that was started in 1998 called SGC. 
and it was graded a 9.5. These cards are graded on a 10 scale. There are three main companies that do the grading, SGC, Beckett, and then the most famous of all, and the one that does the most, PSA. And a 9.5 on an SGC card is pretty much a perfect card. Beckett, very similar, used to only go up to 9.5s. Now they've pushed a few to 10, and PSA will give out 10. So the numbers vary a little bit from company to company. And it's interesting when you look at how many of each of these cards are out there when it comes to this 311 mantle from 1952. SGC has graded a total of them in their history. 590 cards have come through their doors. There is one 9.5. That's the one that just sold for 12.6 million. There have been two nines, two 8.5s, and four eights. When it comes to Beckett, none in the 10, 9.5, none, nine, none, uh, 8.5. Their best graded one is an eight, and there's only one that was graded an eight, one at a seven and a half, and two at a seven. When it comes to PSA, They've graded more than anybody else. They've graded 1,496 of these cards, and three of them graded as 10s, 6s, 9s, and 35 as 8s. The interesting thing, though, is there is a lot of people looking at these cards at this point because of this sale, and most of the experts, and you put that in air quotes, of course, because everybody's an expert. But most of the people that follow this that have seen the cards believe that the SGC 9.5 that just sold, again, for $12.6 million, is a better-looking card than the three PSA 10s. So this may be the finest card in existence, which, of course, brings the value way, way up. But again, five cents a pack back in the day. And the story of where this particular mantle came from, I think is an interesting one because there was a guy, he has since passed on, but is still the most famous baseball card collector because back in the day when I would get the magazines for the baseball cards or the price guides, there was always an ad in there from a guy named Mr. Mint, Alan Rosen, who was like, hey, I want to buy your collection. That was his thing. He was the first guy that I believe was putting a lot of money into this and making it a business of flipping baseball cards and talking about the condition of the cards. He was always looking for the best of the best. And this card was discovered Back in 1986, well, I mean, the people that had it knew they had a bunch of cards, but the baseball collecting world found out about this stash of cards in 1986 when Mr. Mint Allen Rosen got a phone call from a guy that said, hey, I have a couple of uh, Mint Mickey Mantles and I would like you to take a look at them. And he had heard that story a few times before What people call Mint, not always Mint. So he made plans to go meet with the guy the next week. In the interim, the guy called him back again because they were going through his father's house that had passed away. 
And he's like, well, I found more cards. He's like, what do you mean you found more cards? He's like, how many do you have? And he's like about five or 6,000. So Mr. Mint, he's like, okay, I took uh, cash, took a hired a police officer to go with them because this was big money back in 1986. And he went to meet with the guy who he said brought out the first bit of the cards on a silver platter. And he's like, don't worry. Yeah, they're all in numerical order. And these were all 1952 tops cards. So Mr. Mint said he was going through and he got to, you know, 300, 305, 308. And he's like, I get down to 310, pull that out. And he's like, there it is, the first mantle. And I pull out a bunch and there's still more mantles. And I pull out another bunch and there's still more. There were 65 Mickey Mantle cards in the stash along with the other tops cards. Now, the Mantle card is the jewel of that set, no doubt about it. Now, a lot of the other cards are worth really good money, but the Mantle card is the one that is worth crazy money. But 65 of those Mantles in there. And I believe this was the, about the time the guy's like, well, do you want to see the rest? And Mr. Mitt was like, you're killing me or I don't have enough money. And he's like, well, these are the, uh, the not so mint. These are not in perfect condition. And Mr. Mint said he took a bunch of them. He smelled the cards. He took them outside to look at them in the sun. He's like, cause there were so many and they were in such good condition that he was concerned that they weren't legit, that they were reprinted. And this was one of the reasons why this seller was having problems finding somebody to sell them to. There was really twofold. One being there were not a lot of people putting this kind of money into baseball cards at the time. This was in the halcyon days, long before these cards were being graded. And the values were just not crazy. To take a little side trip to let you know the craziness of the pricing here comes from the fact that this is being looked at as not just a very rare Mickey Mantle card, but it's being looked at as the best example of it, the absolute best example. And prices can go way, way up depending on how they are graded, which is completely subjective. As we've already talked about, each individual grading company grades them in a slightly different way. You could obviously take the same card and submit it multiple times and get different grades depending on who's doing the grading. And people do when you have cards getting to the value that the Mickey Mantle would be. But there was a Michael Jordan card that I was looking at recently that as a grade of 10 had sold on auction anywhere between a hundred to $225,000 where it, once that drops down to an eight, about 6,000, which I mean, Hey, six, seven, 8,000 is really good money, but it does not compete with the hundred thousand plus, which is a subjective difference. One person maybe grades something one point higher and that's the kind of value that's being put onto it. So that's absolutely crazy. But going back to 1986, when Mr. Mint is with this guy saying, you know, hey, I 
originally told the guy I would go 20%, which when he said that I'm guessing he meant 20% of the book value on the cards. And he said, I just didn't have it. I just didn't have enough money because of the amount of cards that were there, the quality of the cards. So they settled on a 10% value book value and he paid $125,000 in 1986 for the whole lot, which was about 6,000 cards. Sotheby's auctions has called this the greatest sports card discovery in the history of sports cards. I don't think that has changed as of yet because here we had thousands of cards and one of them, one of those 65 mantles, well, there were more mantles in the not so mint pile as well. But of those, when Alan Rosen looked at them, this was the card, the one that just sold for 12.6 million. This was the card that he thought looked the best out of any of them. So as he was buying and selling, he kept that one for himself for a little while. He ended up selling it at one point and buying it back for $40,000. And then he had that priced at a sports card show. It was one of those things that you would put it on the table when you go to these big conventions that would bring people in just to look at the card. Again, long before there were grades on these cards, it was just in a holder and he had it priced at 57500 I think, or something like that, at least 57000 and a guy named Anthony Giordano came by with his kids. They haggled and ended up purchasing the card in 1991 for $50,000. And it stayed in their hands until it was auctioned off this week. I guess the kids finally convinced dad to sell the card off. And I can't argue with the timing on that, although it seemed like there was a bigger bump. Right at the beginning of COVID, this may have even sold for more. But I mean, hey, can you complain about a $50,000 investment in 1991 turning into $12.6 million here in 2022? I'd say they did pretty well. And I'm sure buying that for $50,000 in 1991 seemed like absolute insanity. Again, because you didn't know really where this fell when it came to comparing it to all of the other cards in existence because we didn't have the tracking that we do today. It was 30 years later, that means just last year, that Mr. Giordano decided that he would have it graded. And that's when the 9.5 grade came in. That is what rocketed this to a whole nother level when it comes to Mickey Mantle cards especially again with people that have seen them. And I've looked at scans of the cards online. And I do also believe that the 9.5 that sold for 12.6 million looks better than the PSA tens. So again, everything is a little bit subjective, but back in 91 spending that 50,000, I'm like, well, Hey, I was, uh, I was 21 at the time. I mean, it would have been a great idea to take out a mortgage, get a big loan, do whatever you could get $50,000 put that card away, and then uh, you have your retirement pretty much taken care of. But baseball cards have definitely changed a little bit. They've gone up in value because of the grading. 
Whether that's good or not, I don't know. But because of the grading, because of the internet, I was able to get those stats for you. Exactly how many of those cards had been graded by Beckett and PSA and SGC and tell you exactly how many are graded at what level. So if you're looking now to buy a card, you know, not only is this graded a 9.5, but you also know none of the other cards have ever been graded a 9.5 by that company. And there's only two in existence that have graded at a nine. So, you know, it is a rare card indeed. And the rarity is what drives the value. As I said, lower graded examples will go for a lot less. Just pulled up on eBay, sold auctions, Mickey Mantle, PSA one. So the lowest grade you can get from PSA, and it looks like they've sold anywhere from 22,500 up into about 40,000, but I don't believe everything on eBay. And uh, I would believe that the ones, that seems about right though, 22,000 bucks or so for one of the worst graded versions of that card. So if you have any 1952 Mickey Mantles sitting around the house, you have something, even if they're not in great condition, but the better the condition they're worth, a lot, lot more. My dad always tells the story of how his mom threw all those cards away that he had a bunch of 52s. And that story gets more painful every year as the value of these cards continue to rise. The one thing you may be asking yourself is where did all of these cards come from that included this very rare find of a 9.5 Mickey Mantle? Well, the story goes that the guy who sold them to Mr. Mint, Alan Rosen, his dad was a delivery driver that was delivering four tops that would be bringing these cards to the stores. And I also wonder if any of these things, there is the legend of the Atari ET game being buried in a landfill. And I also have to wonder if any of these guys, maybe he was at the time, well, we're taking these things and we're dumping them all out on a barge. Maybe just took a case or two home. If that's the case, either way, it was a really smart idea to stash those cards away, especially due to the fact that nobody knew they were worth money at the time. Again, eight years after they were produced, tops dumped three garbage truck fulls into the Atlantic Ocean. Kids put them into the spikes of their bike to get that cool sound. They flipped them. They threw them. They did all sorts of crazy things. It is kind of amazing that any of these cards exist today in mint condition. But check those attics. You'd never know just what you might find. And if you find some Mickey Mantle cards and you're not interested in keeping them, well, just let me know. Send them out to me. This is a value for value podcast after all which means we put these shows out there you decide what kind of value you want to put on them could be a uh, espresso from starbucks it could be a vinyl record or it could be a 1952 mickey mantle whatever it is you get to put a number on it and get that to us you can do so by going to our website random thoughts r-a-n-d-u-m-b thoughts.com slash donate click that donate button to do a one-time or monthly donation through paypal you can use the QR codes or wallet addresses if you want to do the crypto thing. You can use the P.O. Box address if you want to go the snail mail route. Checks, money orders, Mickey Mantle rookie cards, whatever. 
And if you're using a podcasting 2.0 app, and if you're not, go to newpodcastapps.com and get yourself onboarded. But you can boost. Send us a boostagram, stream some sats our way. They are all very much appreciated. On today's show, we have nobody coming in as a, an executive producer, but it's okay. I get it. Not everybody has found a Mickey Mantle rookie card. Biden inflation, Putin's price hike, all of that. But if you're able to do so, help us out if you're enjoying the shows. It is all very much appreciated, as is you giving me your time. I know there are a lot of things you could be doing, and the fact that you're listening to this podcast, it is appreciated. I hope you're able to take something away from every show, like, oh, I didn't know that, give you a different perspective on things, like all those baseball cards your mom might have thrown away years ago. With all of that said, I will be back again next week with another edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thank you for listening. 